I finally got my head right I move in silence, you won't catch me in them headlights And they love to say they love you if they need some If they see you moving solid in your bread's right I finally got my head right I move in silence, you won't catch me in them headlights And they love to say they love you if they need some If they see you moving solid in your bread's right Pick up the county, put it down for the town of course, of course. I mean, I kind of was texting you both. First thing, I mean, most of the people who will probably listen to this already know who you guys are. It's usually St. Vincent crowd, but just first kind of who you are, where are you from? I know, obviously, Jose's from Florida. Mark, you're from Maryland, right? No, I grew up in Miami, dude. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Boy, that's don't try me like that. <laughs> I, I, well, crazy. I, at first, I, I've been gone I for you too long. That's Florida. what it is. Exactly. Anyway, just kind of the one, the first kind of thing I wanted to ask you guys too is since I was from PA right down the street, what kind of was like the shell shock or culture shock that you had coming from Miami to, to St. Vincent? I mean, I think right off the rip, people are just nicer up here. Um, I don't know what it is about the atmosphere up here, but uh, I mean, everyone from teachers to teammates the I mean even my pod mates were all like nice good dudes you know and I don't know if it's because we came from a I don't know Mark what do you think it's just we came from a very uh so I, I, I don't area I don't, think, so I, just, I don't think there was I don't think there was much shell shock for Jose and I I know there wasn't much for me because so I I grew yeah, up in military shell shock, but just like yeah different. it's definitely different so I grew yeah, up in yeah. a I grew up in a military family, so I wasn't necessarily born in Miami. I lived in my, I basically grew up there, but I had been I in other places like... before. I had both my sisters were born in Colorado, one brother in Germany, one brother in Georgia. I was born in Massachusetts. My mom's from fucking Spain. So like we're from all over. So there wasn't like, I've, I've been in the snow and I've been up North. I would agree with Jose where it's like uh, Western Pennsylvania is different because it's not Northeast, but it's not Midwest. It's kind of the combination you get like, the Northeast directness from people, but they're mm -hmm. also that Midwest hospitality. So it's like, I would say overall, in Western people, like I, just a wholesome experience, right? Like I never really said hi to people before I moved up to Pennsylvania. Like you don't do that in Miami. You don't say like, good morning and how you doing? Yeah. That's, that was, that was small town vibe. So definitely different. People are nicer. There's clearly not as much to do in Western Pennsylvania, but mm -mm. It, cha it, it challenges you. And again, there's pros and cons to it, right? In Miami, there's always something going on, so you'll never be bored. In Pennsylvania, you got to figure out ways to have fun. You got to you got to be more proactive, yeah. but you got to be a little bit more creative. But but there's stuff to do. I've uh, acclimated pretty well, I think. I was gonna say, Jose, you're you're like you're settling down yeah. up there, huh? Uh, uh, Jose sold out on Miami. <laughs> and so out. I go to this guy's. I go to this guy's house, and I can't even get Cuban coffee. That's <laughs> not true. On you. That's not true. There's Cuban coffee here at all times. So what, uh, no, Matthew? What what made you guys choose St. Vincent? I mean, I know football had a lot to do with it, but what made you guys choose St. Vincent? Uh, Mark, you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Um, so I just had this uh, goal after high school. I wanted to go and just like travel, but just wanted to go away from college. Really, um, I was looking all over the country, like Plymouth State, I think uh, Oberlin, uh, and then something in Illinois. But um, 
St. Vincent, credit to their admissions team at the time, they had a really nice uh, – forgot her name, but she was very uh, – Casey. You know, Casey, right? Casey. Yeah. Casey, was, yeah. Casey was Casey was pretty too. She was pretty. She had a little brother that was that was our year. No, she was awesome. She had a they she had a baby brother who was the polar opposite. <laughs> yeah. But he was a cool dude. And uh, but no, maybe it was her like just reaching out to me every week. Like every other school I was talking to, it was her coach contacting me. But she was the only like admissions counselor talking me through the steps because I mean nobody else in my family my family's like first generation immigrants and no one's really been to American college so I really didn't know what to expect and uh Casey was really helpful and she, you know maybe she was pretty I, I can't remember Mark but no she, she, was, was she, she was a pretty woman but she was like her personality was awesome yeah uh, she, she was she was exactly what you want in admission shout school. out Casey yeah she was just and, different uh, too, right? Like, like oh, Jose she was saying, she genuinely, genuinely cared about people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she wasn't there just to do a job. Let me just say, she got a promotion when she left St. Vincent. That's how good she was. And, uh, I mean, she's what you expect a admissions counselor to look like and to, like, sound. <laughs> what, was her la- what was her last name? The brother's name? It'll, it'll come Conroy. It'll come Conroy. 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 I think she went, actually, I think she went to NBC, like, New York City, and got, like, a really good gig out there. But uh, That's cool. her uh, uncle's Pat Conroy, who's like a senior admissions counselor at school still. And uh, but she was He's really cool. An author. Yeah. <laughs> not. <laughs> but uh, not she him, was but... really cool. She sent me uh, she sent me T-shirts, um, St. Vincent. Um, she checked in on me. And I just, uh, she, I mean, also St. Vincent pays, pays for your flight, which not many other schools. Really? Were. Yeah. And this was for before your, for your had, recruiting trip. Yeah, this was before Latrobe um, had the airport. So this was like when flights were like close to four hundred dollars. Oh my god! As long as you apply and you're, you know, almost in here, they'll pay for your flight. So um, that was a big plus. Um, I got here. Luckily for St. Vincent, it was a nice day because you know the weather's not always the best. But yeah, it was a sunny April day, uh, and you know, I mean, you've been to Florida, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. it's completely different atmosphere and oh, i don't know just uh, at the world. time at the time it was a new program um coach bob and they really got you excited about being part of mark can tell you this being part of a new team set records uh the steelers you know not that i'm a big Steeler fan at all but that was kind of cool to look forward to and uh i don't know combination of a lot of good things got me got me to commit here but uh, I just knew I wanted to do something different than stay at home, you know. That's cool. So, and then Mark naturally followed me. So, Jose's a natural born leader. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. So I actually I, I I'm the baby of five. Out of all, all out of all five siblings, only one state of Miami. I was forced to leave the state of Florida. My dad's like, if you're gonna go to college, you well, of course you're gonna go to college, but you have to leave Florida. Like that's the rule. So I, I went to a couple schools. The first night at St. Vincent was ugly. And I had every football player telling me, if you're from Miami, don't come here. Oh, really? I had guys on the – I had, like, Rob Trav, Jerry oh, Marlowe, oh, oh. um, Kandu was one of them. They are all like, if you're from Miami, don't come here. Like, you're just not going to like it. So the whole t- that whole night, I'm like, I'm not coming here. I'm not coming here. The next morning, I woke up at, like, 
6 or 7 a.m. to meet with the coaches. And I, like, walked out of Bonnie. And you know when you walk out of the side of Bonnie, you, like, see the mountains? Yeah. I saw it. And it was beautiful. I was like, I could do that. And then they they gave me the tour, and everyone was just super friendly. Like, I went to an all-boy Catholic high school in Miami. So, like, I'm walking around. I got – I don't know whether they paid these girls, but these girls were saying <laughs> hi to me. They were – there was just everyone was super friendly. And, like, I, I sat in a class – and I saw the benefits of being in like a, a, a smaller school. You get more attention in yeah. class. So yeah, it just kind of it just felt right. And I, I came up with three guys from my high school too. Oh, did who? So Chris Jacobo, who was actually my roommate, he had to leave okay. after freshman year because his mom had like an accident. And then Jake Keller, who went to my high school as well. You know Jake? Yeah, yeah. So Jake went there and then another kid named Brian Santos. He went there for a year and then ended up leaving. Hey, what happened to Brian? Uh, Brian. <laughs> Brian lives in Maryland now. No, he just, I, I, I think it was like a grades-related thing that he didn't. St. Vincent's not an easy school. Mark, you yeah, went that... to private high school, right? Yeah. Of, of those four guys, how many of them are on academic probation at St. Vincent College? How many their... were? Yeah. How many were on academic probation? All yeah. of us. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, that, that that's funny. I uh, so I mean, I obviously you guys know I live 20, 15 minutes down the road. You, you I went, went to, Salem, to right? yeah. Okay. You ended so up I transferring had, in though. I did. So I went to a Division two school in West Virginia, in literally the mountains of West Virginia, and I was like, this is horrible. So I took a, I came home, took a year off, and then. The only oh, it just wasn't for you. Were you on the football team? Like, yeah, yeah. So I, I stayed the first like semester or whatever. And uh, the division two football was just like a whole, they took it so seriously. And I was never really like about that. I mean, so we did at St. Vincent, but like we didn't. There's really a difference. There's a, yeah, there's, there's a, a difference. huge difference. There's a difference. Like, like this is what really did it for me. It was <laughs> they like, were there to win. right yeah exactly dude we during camp I had this crazy defensive line coach and we're all freshmen and so he goes all right every mistake we're watching film every mistake we're running a 40 yard sprint before a two a day and I was like this guy's joking I was like there's no way so he's going through film of of a freshman practice it was only freshman and literally tallying on the board every mistake next morning before two day we ran 40 yards like 38 40 yard sprints and i was like dude this is <laughs> like a couple of weeks later i, or, I don't <coughs> know me. how long it was probably a month later i was like i'm out and i was like i just and i'm not a it's, huge outdoors yeah. guy either so <laughs> so i remember so high school the high school i went to and jose is going to talk shit but the whole the high school i went to in miami is really good at football like always top 100 of the nation super serious very disciplined when I got to St. Vincent and I saw like, and I'm not trying to knock the coaching staff whatsoever, but there was clearly a lack of discipline. Like oh, we barely did any, we barely did any conditioning. There was like no official warm up before weightlifting. Like I, I got there. I'm like, dude, this is so archaic. Like, yeah, no wonder you guys aren't winning games. Like, you know, and I got, and I, I, I got, I got lazier in calls because there wasn't someone on top of you telling you to, Hey, we're we're running 110 yard sprints. We're doing this. We're doing sure. that. You're gonna do a legitimate, 
you know, dynamic warm up before your 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 weightlifting session. And after you're done weightlifting, you're gonna do abs, uh, you know, high intensity training, and then you're gonna do a cool down. Like we, we didn't do any of that yeah. at some Yeah. You know, so yeah. it was almost. I would say a lot of the Florida guys walked in with a chip on their shoulder, and it was like not hard to respect the program, but it was like, come on, guys. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. It was, and, and I didn't, I wasn't even there when, when you guys had, had Colbert and all them, which is actually funny because I almost went there out of high school. And the only reason I didn't, cause my dad was like, you're not going right down the street. And I was like, cause Bob, he was the only coach, the only head coach that came to recruit me and he was texting mm-hmm. me. And so I was like, shit, I'll, I'll Bob, go there. I think Bob I'll, was a good recruiter. Brett, his son a- Brett recruited us. Yeah. Well, because I, Bob's I, like a. People want to talk shit about like I've got my I have my things to say about Bob, but Bob Genuine is like a good human being. Yeah, like he's a good coach. Like yeah, I I can't say a lot about some St. Vincent coaches, but um, I mean, you ever run into Bob, Mark? You know this too. He he talked to you for about an hour. If you catch up with you and really genuinely care about how you're doing, you know, and that's cool. I've always yeah. gotten that vibe from him. Um, good person, I think. Towards the end of his career, just kind of fell off. You know, I mean, he's yeah. older. It's it's hard to keep up with the same intensity. Yeah, he did Absolutely. win Coach of the Year once in the pack. So that's also yeah. because we were stacked <laughs> and we had we had a bunch of Division One talent on our team. Yeah, that's awesome. That's Darius true. McGee, our offensive line was huge. You had Darius McGee. You had Feek. Feek was a freak of nature. You had Aaron Spantanka, Huey, Ricky Douglas, all these cats. Sheldon. You had uh, a yeah. Womp. Solid. Why do you have to throw? <laughs> it's a Nick, it's been maybe 10 minutes into this thing, and, and, and Jose's thrown shade to, like, five or six different things. I don't know if you've picked <laughs> up. I'm just giving shout-outs. Such, such a troll. That's nah, not true. Well, anyway, I mean, I, we could sit here and talk St. Vincent all day, but big thing <laughs> yeah. I want to talk to you guys about. So, you know, I'm obviously – actually, Mark, I don't know if I'm friends with you on Facebook, but for some reason I probably Emily or someone shows me your Facebook post. Jose, I see yours all the time, so – the big let's thing get down I want to, talk to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to it. Um, obviously, I'm really genuinely interested in where. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a political guy. I'm not. I'm not at all. And I don't mind. think any of us really are. But, no, but we but have we opinions. Are, exactly, we have our opinions. We know what's what's real, what's not. So I'm genuinely interested as to where your guys' opinions are. So first, kind of thing I want to go with is, did we think Trump? was a good president his four so, years policies whatever i don't whatever you want to put in I'll, there i'll take this I'm, i'll take the first one yeah go ahead oh, so okay. this this idea that you can judge someone's like presidency right after is is it's just not a real thing like i didn't vote for obama but like as soon as he got elected i was like all right let's see what he does and again i feel like you because each policy takes time so i sell to the government everything that the government is like a super slow moving entity. So like whenever you put a policy in place, it takes time. You've got to give it a chance. And to be honest, you, you almost can't judge presidents, their, their presidency anymore, because as soon as someone new gets elected, they take their policies out. So was, was Trump a good president? I, that, that I think is, a, is an opinion. I, I like some of the things he was doing. I didn't like some of the things he was doing. So I, whether he was good or not, that's up to, you know, that's, that's, that's an opinion. At this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Barbershop you know, you got to give it time. If you allow his policies to, to play out and see what they do, then I think you can make a judgment whether he was a good president or not. 
but I, I don't think you ever will. Jose, what do you think? Um, so first thing I want to address is I can't believe you don't follow Mark Allen Facebook because I thought that's I thought what I did, but I, you're I missing, went to message you're him missing and I was like, why I'll tell you now, Mark's one of the most interesting people on social media. Well, I, 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 I saw him and uh, him and Ray going at it a few times. That's not even. I was, I was, even, Ray, that's not I was even, hanging out with Ray last night. <laughs> That's not, that's just the tip of the iceberg of how Mark <laughs> initiated the conversation. And it's not like, and it's, you know, it's very, it's very critical and very, uh, it's low intense sometimes, but it's always with peace and love and it's with people you probably recognize. So I'm always, sure. I know there's a small group of people out there who follow up on his conversations on his, uh, comments. So, uh, yeah, do that when you get a chance. Um, right here, right now, I will announce my, uh, my uh, party I'm, I'm pretty moderate when it comes to just everything and uh like mark was saying i mean you you, you could there's a lot of pros and cons that come with the word trump but like no matter what bush obama you're gonna i'm gonna this that's our that's our pilot of our you know of our, the plan ron and i'm always gonna cheer for our president because i love this country but uh that being said, yeah that, that being said like i think on paper trump did a lot of good stuff you know for with taxes and just, you know, really looking out for American businesses. But then his other half, which you could say is his ego, just the way he kind of portrayed himself on social media towards the end, really rubbed well, me the wrong way. That's because I, you know, I work in education and I, I do a lot of, you know, behavioral issues and just seeing the way that guy was acting and then how my students were acting sometimes. I'm like, man, how am I supposed to tell him to like not behave that way when, the leader of so, the free world's throwing a little tantrum on Twitter, you know? So, I mean, that's just the way I saw it. I also think that may have cost him the election because on paper, you can't, you can't make, you can make an argument that he did a lot of good stuff, but just how, just how he was in love with the media. Yeah. His well, ego. Well, so poli- poli- bad, bad. What's up? I was going to say politics nowadays. Now it's not even about arguing policies and what's going to work and what's not going to work. It's, I don't know if anyone's ever studied PR and advertising, but it's like who has the best PR team and who can slander the other person the worst? Because whoever does that's going to win. That's what it's turned into. It's not about policies anymore. It's like the it's second like a celebrity show. And <laughs> and people think that I'm yeah, exactly. People think that I'm a Trump supporter. No, not by any means. Like to me when I def- when someone says that, "Oh, you're a Trump supporter? You're out here like repping Trump. You're saying he's the man." I'm not a Trump supporter by any means. I did vote for the guy, but the second he got elected, they were trying to impeach him the entire time. So instead of being like, okay, you're president, let's see if we can help each other out. Instead, they're, they're spinning their wheels, wasting time and money and taxpayer dollars on trying to impeach this guy off of some foo-foo shit that like may or may not have even happened. So that happens from the get-go. And then, you know, we can... We can we maybe we can touch on all this other propaganda that came out right the the police brutality the the oh, systemic rate the systemic racism and the white privilege and all this other stuff that's been coming out and and Donald Trump's yeah. a racist and he's neo Nazi and he's fascist all Jesus, that Mark is, one topic at a time <laughs> all that shit is all that shit is is just propaganda right like none of it's actually really true. Yeah, but, but that's always used. been around. Like, I, I mean, I could sit here and tell you like ten different stories. Yeah, but it's, it's magnified. Right. It's magnified because there's so many different avenues of media, right? 
there's, yes. there's social media. There's, there's yeah, and, and it's just gonna get worse. Like, I, it's I'll, it's the I misinformation age since, since mm-hmm. the election. I haven't been following politics as much because I I've promised myself like I want a mental break this New Year's. Yeah, but man, so, I'm hearing a lot of Biden what he's doing, and I'm just annoyed by it because it's like all I hear is all the bad stuff he's doing, which is fine because he needs you know you need both sides need a critique so they they're in check. Yeah, but for sure. It's just, it's, it just seems criticism. like, what's up? You need positivity and criticism. Yeah, no, and I think that's what the founders were planning when they created the system. But um, it's just with media in our hands, um, it just feels like every little thing is uh, criticized. And I think um, it was intended to just maybe sit back and let our elected officials battle it out, you know, a little bit more because not everything Trump said was – it was it shouldn't have been taken seriously you know and i think maybe it was his fault you know you had no filter but uh nick what's your opinion well i mean to be honest like like i said i i'm definitely not in any way i i to be honest i i hated donald trump and and the one reason why and it's kind of what jose was saying was I, you know, when I look at politics in general, I really just look at what are some important policies or things to me. And not even like you said, Mark, when you look at policies, it's Republican, Democrat, it's going to take time to, to get, get through and get and get past and be in effect. And so that's why I put a lot of stock into how you conduct yourself. Because to me, like, and I did this example because I'm a teacher was I said, okay, so let's say hypothetically, I'm the world's best teacher. I'm going to make your child read better. I'm going to make your child do math better. I'm going to make them do science better. They're going to go on and do great things. But I cuss at them. I swear at them. I do this. I do that. I'm I'm like, you're not a good example. Yeah. So like, would you want, so like I think about it as like, would you want your child in my class? And it's just like, probably not because of that. So like for me, it's like I put a lot of stock into that because bottom line, the way our government to me on the outside is set up is set up to limit the effectiveness of a president. It, it, you, you know what I mean? Like Congress, House of Representatives, you've got all these different branches where it's like, you I wouldn't say to, it was designed. It wasn't designed to limit the effectiveness, but it's turned into that. It wasn't originally designed to do that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. I mean, it's yeah, morphed I mean, into this system where it's like checks and balances. But for you to get anything done, there's like a lot of things that are, you know, a lot of money getting a lot of favors being done. No, that's a big thing. It didn't use. Let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys way. this: Do you think Trump? personally wanted those checks and balances in place because from my point of view he didn't he wanted it his way and his policies to go through and this and that instead of well every president wants their policies to go through but the thing is donald trump is just more like abrasive than everyone else so it comes off like he's shoving things down their throat like I, you know, I, I don't, again, I'm not a political guy, so I don't know all these policies, but there were certain things that I liked what he was doing is like one of the biggest things is he was trying to get away from China. He was trying to get away from dealing with China. He was trying to get away from buying things that we need to rely on from China and instead bring it in house. 
I like the fact that he was bringing oil back to the United. Well, not that bringing back oil to the United States. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Drilling here, like if I'm gonna drill oil, let let me do it here. Why waste all this money right. on sailing out somewhere to get oil and then pay money to bring it back? The whole oil thing is just shifting liability. By the way, that's just the government being like, hey, it's not the United States contributing to global warming; it's everyone else. That's true. That's true. But that means- but do do you also think too that could because if you think about it that way, because the United States is kind of looked at as like the the biggest power of the world it, in that sense, the big brother, you know, you, the big brother. So now you know us shipping or ordering, quote unquote, from another country, we're kind of pushing the economy and money. Out I, that I guess way. right. You're like, oh well, you know, we're trying to set a good example, but we're still really contributing. No. Yeah. Excuse my language, but fuck the perception of what people think of the United States. You know what I mean? Like, drill oil here, and while you're drilling oil here and keeping the cost of oil down and keeping Americans happy, and you're by the way, the the amount of oil you burn to go get the oil outweighs whatever you're you're trying to do. So again, let's think logically here. Drill oil here. While you're drilling oil here, you start to explore other avenues when it comes to energy. Again, big Elon fan. I love Tesla. I worked for them for two and a half years. I'm all about electric cars. I think there's always going to be somewhat of a need for fossil fuels when it comes to certain things. Sure. But we can definitely bring like that that footprint down. But to 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 do this thing where we stop, how many jobs did did you know getting rid of the 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 pipeline? How many jobs did that get rid of? Ten thousand. That's a lot. I think it was more than that. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And so and it's right like now. I mean, what's going on in Texas is seems like. That's like that a lack of a correlation, but that's just that's bad luck. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, it's bad luck, but it's lack of preparation from the government and the people that live there. Like the true, issue is true. no one, no, no one winterized anything. It's like people's yeah. pipes are bursting. There's no electricity. There's it, it, the infrastructure wasn't ready for that. But then you got Ted Cruz jumping on an airplane and going to uh, Mexico. Did you see that? What a what? He, he got ripped. All right. So speaking, of he Ted blamed Cruz. it on his daughters too. <laughs> But, what a what a pussy! Hey, watch your mouth, man. There's kids watching this. Good, <laughs> dickhead. All right, listen. So my biggest problem with uh, so when Trump was running, his whole thing was what drain the swamp. Yeah. Like I truly thought he was gonna be like the next great maverick. Like you can't tell me nothing because deep down he's like both sides. The man has a history of being like pro-choice. Like he was a Democrat his whole life. Like he he gets it. But, uh, I mean, I thought he was going to be that guy who just kind of said, I don't care what team you're on. We're going to work together for the best possible um, solution, you know, uh, the, the greater uh, – the best, the best solution for the greater good. I thought this was going to be, like, something awesome. And then, like, he went on to win, and he befriended Ted Cruz after making fun of his wife, Marco Rubio. Dude, he made fun uh, of everyone. He made fun of everyone. Julie, Giuliani became his lawyer. Like, what? what? type of wild card move was that like you just saw a bunch of guys you just saw how politics in this country works so that kind of rubbed me the wrong way i wish i wish trump just kept going but went back to that and uh that's that's what kind of rubbed me the like the wrong way off the bat but one uh, thing I, also, that I would say the, hold on mark uh the one thing that i would i don't want to credit him but with that kind of attitude that he had like you said it kind of highlighted it a lot more so like in a bat and what I mean by that is we all kind of saw like Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever you want to say, 
Pelosi, Schumer, Trump, whatever it is, it's all kind of this Trump kind of helped us see that. I feel like a little bit yeah, more like highlight it. I step back and both sides are just so extreme right now. And I really I don't think this uh, next election Biden has a shot. I think there's either going to be like a new yeah, party he's alive. <laughs> exactly. I think the Republican Party is going to break off into more of a moderate new because it's just crazy that you have to pick either extreme. Like, it, it rubs me the wrong way. So, like, I work with mostly rural students. And during the election, Nick, you can imagine what side of the debate they were mostly on every day. Sure. So I would just call them out and be like, why are you a Trump fan? Why are you a Biden fan? And it was always like a far, like, point that they made. It was just like, they didn't make sense to me. So finally, I looked online for like a hundred question political party questionnaire. 90% of these kids were down the freaking middle with what political party. They were like, what's a Green Party? What's the Libertarian Party? And I'm like, oh, let's look at it. And they were like, oh, okay, that, that, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we went over like like gun control. They thought they actually meant like come and take my guns. I'm like that'll never happen. Like you're misinterpreting what's going on. So like we did a lot of just civics class in my class, and it's not even a history class, but like it was just showed me like what their parents at home were like listening and talking about. Yeah. Like there's just like a lack of knowledge about how government works, and I think that's just the whole like demagogue like fear mongering aspect of both sides mm -hmm. right now. Like both sides are just trying to grab whatever they can to fuel their side of the argument. And it just, I don't know, maybe that's why I've stepped away from, that's why I only get my news from Mark, Mark Cal on Facebook because <laughs> if it's important for Mark Cal, then it's, I'll get a text message like, hey, did you see my argument? And I go, no, not yet. And I know it's something that's going on because other than that, I'm just like, yeah. CNN and Fox, it's just like, one way or the other. It just seems like crap to me, man. It just, it seems so toxic to me. It makes me, Makes me nauseous when I turn on those channels and I'm sitting there trying to make a. Uh, well, so you should be. Like, you, you should. So I grew up. My dad's like a Republican. My dad's like a super old school guy. Like, yeah. never met a better guy than my dad. Right? Like Catholic. Except, except Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my dad's just genuinely like a, a really good dude, really big heart, very opinionated, and you know he could, he's very direct. But if you're gonna have an opinion, just back it up. So. I kind of forgot where I was going with that. What, what were you talking about, Jose? I mean, there's plenty. Like, my wife's dad is a conservative. Great guy. And even he sat there right before the election and told me, Mark, that Trump's costing himself the election. Yeah. Because he, like, he knew, like, what is he doing with this Twitter and stuff? But I'm not saying either. I, I know great people on both sides. And uh, it just scares me that some of these got you know that the news can get away with without being checked i knew you know, where i was going well, i know yeah. they're not they're not what they're not journalists like what's their excuse yeah, I don't know, but, but so they can't my get dad sued because they don't they're not labeled as the news they're just a, a journalist is that what it is yeah I something guess. like that so my dad raised me to watch as many well, different news media outlets as possible so that you can kind of formulate your own opinions <laughs> I grew up listening to NPR every day on my way to school. Um, you know, we watch Fox, CNN, you name it. Oh, now, yeah, my, da my dad leans right because, 
that just kind of lines up with his thoughts and beliefs. But I think that's the way to go, right? Like people, <clears throat> and I'm guilty of it too. Like if I see a headline, sometimes I won't even read the article. I'll just go off of emotion, right? And I'll say mm -hmm. something. Read the whole article. Do a little bit of background. You almost have, there's so much information. You now have to do more work to dig up what the actual truth is. And people are so lazy because everything now in today's day is like, hey, let's have it now. Let's have it now. No mm -hmm. one's actually doing their due diligence and talking about what's actually true. And I'm guilty of that too. I do that sometimes, no doubt. It's it's like the easy way out, but. Well, speaking of truth, what did you guys think about the election? I mean, you saw Trump and Giuliani. Every election is somewhat rigged, right? I, I truly believe that. But there was yeah. a lot of, there's a, there a lot what of fishiness you, around this one. What do you mean rigged? There's always some type of like skewing of the numbers, right? Like whenever you have mail-in ballots, that's, those are hard to trust. Um, you know, there was. Do you remember that Wait, election with Al Gore these, and Bush? These these election uh, the election process for each state is selected by each state's uh, legislation, and they approve it. And don't you worry, both sides of each party have representatives there that have been kind of like deputized in a way, and they're supposed to be at no, each poll station can, and make sure there's no cheating going on. Now, as far as the mail-in voting. It was approved. And is it perfect? Hell no. Because, like, I was bugged. I got three phone calls, like, months before the election asking me, would you like a mail-in ballot? Mail-in ballot. I'm like, no, I'm going to walk there. I'm good. Thank so you. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know how rigged it was, right? Like, I had no problem with, with Trump saying, we're going to investigate this. I think there's fish. I had no problem with that. I had a problem with the way he was carrying himself during that process. Like, I'm not going to concede. I'm not going to. He was, like, kicking and screaming. Like, no, yeah. look, here's the deal. You're the president. If you feel like there's some fishiness going on, by all means, do the investigating, you know, the investigative work. But at the end of the day, if they don't find anything, and you know and what? Like, he had, I don't know if like it was Gi Giuliani and that other lady. I don't know if they're at their end of their careers or they were promised some money. But <laughs> you were having them going up like three nights after the election saying the Kraken will be released. There's enough evidence, and I'm listening to like yeah. Where's the evidence? Radio. I was excited. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, this is gonna be cool. And then like yeah. it dragged on, it dragged on. I was listening to uh, Shapiro, who's like pretty moderate uh, right wing uh, radio host, and he was I like, like this is ridiculous. Like, if they have proof, this should have been released yesterday. Like, the more you wait, Gosh. the more suspicious it gets. And Gosh, I but think it's, it's hard to it's hard to prove a lot of it because I'm sure some of it was covered up, right? Like. There were literally votes coming in for people that were dead. Yeah, but like they were finding it on like most sides, have. and like each election. Sure, and that's and that's when I said that's when I said there's always some, there's always some like type of every election. Know, there's always there's thousands always some of votes. Question mark. There's yeah, always thousands so, of votes that are like incorrect, but never enough to sway an election a certain way. So when look, you look at the numbers, this dude lost by like seven million people. Like, and you're innocent until proven guilty. So like. Exactly. So, so was like, the election rigged? Did he win? No. No. So do no, I? Do I think the truth about the election? I think they're there. I think the numbers were skewed. It, it could have been either way, right? Like the Democrats could have done it. The Republicans could have done it a little bit. There needs to be better checks and balances when it comes to voting, especially when it comes to mail-in ballots. But this idea that the like there's a lot of things that happen that are fishy like the fact that the left was pushing for mail in ballots months before that throws me off a little bit
But again, Why? there's no proof. How come, though? You don't find that fishy in any way, shape, or form. Well, I'll say two. Th- I'll I'll say two things. One, I do think it was the political, Ex- move, especially but- especially before they had any debates. They were asking for them to to, to send them. No well, one, you, you shouldn't it, be able to do it months at a time, Mark. What a mail-in ballot. Yeah, it's weird. Like I got my. That's call. what I'm saying. Like I don't, I don't like that. But that, like that that's, idea those, this, these rules were established a year or two before the election. Like this is how mail-in ballots are gonna happen. This isn't something me, they discussed me, like months before the election. Let me ask you guys this: since since you both are, are Miami guys, how did and I don't know. I mean, you were barely 18. You know, still living in Miami. But when what was voting like down in Miami? Like, was it a local church? Was it a mess? Was, was it? How, how, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, so no I'll, I'll take the lead on this one, Markeisha. Um, so <laughs> it's just like it is up here, but as you can imagine, it's a total shit show. Like it's a library, it's public schools, there's lines. Um, honestly, voting up here has been like sweet. There's no lines. Everyone's nice. I feel like in Miami, you're getting old lady. She's yeah. Like, in Miami, you're dude, you're being mean mugged and you better know like three different yeah, languages. You've got, you've got the you don't know if you're going to get a you don't know if you're gonna have to speak Spanish, Creole, or English. Like when you get to that line, so you better figure it out. I never. But I never that voted being in said, though, that being said, like let me like politics in a quick sum. It just seems like most Hispanics vote uh, Democrat. Now, as far as Cubans, they mostly vote Republican. That's why uh, it's just you can kind of trace it back to the whole communist uh, PTSD, or that's still going on. So you always see that. Um, now, this past election, they made the argument that Trump got more Hispanic votes than any other Republican has. That is true because you may not believe this, but Cubans do repopulate and populations are going to go up. So every election, no matter what demographic it is, they're going to have more votes each with either way they vote. So I think uh, next election, whoever, whichever party uh, makes a grab for that, it'll probably be good. Um I mean, I'm Hispanic, but I believe in immigration rules. You know, I'm not saying let's open up our borders. Like, so there is there is potential I'm- room there to make that that grab. And uh, like I said, I don't think I think and I think if you look at the senator uh, elections, it shows that it wasn't that people like the Republicans, Republicans didn't just lose the Senate by a lot. It was like close because it'll show numbers show that people weren't crazy about Biden. Like. Most yeah. I talked to a lot of coworkers in education. They voted for their representatives in state to be Republican, but they're just annoyed by Trump. Like it's just people I feel are, like I feel like a lot of people just voted in spite of Trump. Just like the previous election, I think yeah, a lot of I people, voted against those exactly same people I worked with were pissed off about Hillary being their candidate. So they I think each it's now turning to who's the most it's not who's, who's the, the best least. choice. It's yeah, yeah it's yeah. like who's less crazy. That's what it's yeah. turning so, into. And they want Grandpa Joe. So that, that's where we're at right now. I was going to say, pick the, pick the lesser of the evils, right? But you brought yeah. up immigration. Uh, like this, There's like this idea that like Republicans are against immigration. Look, I'm Republican. My mother's from Spain. My dad's half Cuban, half Polish. His father was, was a, a political refugee. Like I'm all about immigration. But at this point in today's day, we need to do it the right way. Yeah, it has, to be, it has to be regulated. Like, my parents both are immigrants, but they, they did the legal way. Like, they came over with a working visa. You just, you just have an influx of immigrants. It's going to fuck things up a little bit, right? It's going to fuck up the infrastructure. Absolutely. Like, where, where, do we, where do we put these people, like? 
like, you know, what if we don't have the food in the water? What if, you know, we don't have schools? What if, again, it's got to be controlled. We got to be able well, to, 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 I'll tell you guys a, a quick, a quick little story. So my uncle, um, he works for customs and he's, you know, he runs this big training facility down in uh, Georgia on St. Simon's Island. And he, and I asked him that, that same question. He said on the Mexican border, you have caravans of people 24 seven, seven days a week. It's nonstop. Just, and he said it's it's literally and, and he's a he, I mean, he was a huge Trump guy. And he, I mean, he's he leans he leans way right. But the question that that I think about when like policy terms and uh, Jose, you may be able to answer this, too, or Mark. I, I'm curious as to and I don't know what the process really is to become, you know, an actual part of like a u.s citizen like what is the... i have no idea from a mexican so, uh, perspective i have no idea for in cuba it's what foot dry foot which is bullshit so you... but we can talk about that another day <laughs> so, the... so i watch a lot of 90 day fiance with my wife so i know a thing or two about the immigration rules and uh <laughs> basically uh if you're not marrying somebody here then you have to apply and usually it's through a working visa um each year like i, I forget who's in charge of immigration in this country but they have like a set number of immigrants they allow in and obviously they consider whether you're coming from like war-torn country mm -hmm. uh, is there some type of breakout that they need to rescue people or you're just applying for asylum to a better future yeah. i'm gonna be but, honest uh, though if, if i'm border patrol and i'm hanging out and i see like a giant mexican family i might turn my head and let yeah dude it's a lot of uh that ethical versus uh you know, legal policy yeah. dilemma in your life that you had to I face. might turn my head because there's a reason these people are fleeing that country. Well, see, right. what my uncle told me too, though, is there's a big, and, and I know I would, but he said there's such, they use kids for smuggling drugs. It's bad. They use kids for, I mean, yeah, there's man. a lot of that's, sex that's trafficking. The I mean, like, what's the cartel? What's the cartel called in, in Mexico? The FARC or something? No, that's Colombia, uh, right? You know, they've got names, but just the cartel. They, um, I mean, that's the problem, and and that, that's exactly what the problem is, Mark. They pay these families; they don't have shit. Like, yeah, hey, you want to go to America? That's fine. Here's an extra five grand. Just take this bag for me. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, that is the problem. Like, I, I feel for those families, and people are allowed to come in this country on working visas, but they have to follow through with inspection and all these other things. So, I mean, that's just yeah, that's that's just and, one and don't worry, most of those people working those gates are mexican like descendants like i've watched videos of like who's in charge of like at the mm -hmm. gates of tijuana it's like spanish guys so they know the yeah. deal they're not dicks because yeah. yeah, awesome. that at one point that was home but uh hey nick what subject do you teach second grade i teach them all. To... oh okay well when you all. get bored in class look up the whole wet foot thing for cubans i definitely yeah, why is that bullshit right I just think it's so, a little outdated, Mark. Because this is I back in so the time. I think so too. Wait, hold on, hold on. What? I don't even know what it is. So enlighten me a little bit. So basically, it's the idea that if you're a Cuban political refugee and you are on a raft or whatever, the second you step on dry land, they cannot send you back. Wet foot, dry foot. That's it. That's it. It ends right there. All right, Nick. That's it. Now let me ask you a question. You remember Vietnam, right? Yeah. I you mean, remember I why we got there? But... He was there. Dude. <laughs> you were there, right? You were about. You had, some, yeah. you had hair back then, right? That's yeah, a, barely. A different time. Um, <laughs> so let me tell you this. Are you there? Sorry. Um, yeah. 
that we the whole reason we got involved with that the cold war this is a time in our country where we thought communism was a disease right not only were they you know not really though into war we didn't think them. it was a disease no we we yeah we it was a nuclear race whatever but just the fact that we were throwing innocent lives to like contain them with north korea North Vietnam, mm-hmm. all this crazy shit. And yeah, unfortunately, Castro was siding with the enemy at the time. I understand that. But we, we looked at, all right, if you want to leave Cuba, um, you become a citizen if you land here, which is great. I understand that. I will never knock a Cuban. I know great, I know like Laz, his parents, you know, like I know a bunch of good friends who yeah. have Cuban grandparents who went through that. And that's awesome. My grandfather. Story. Yeah. But my point is, Look at Venezuela. Same shit. They had a bit of a dictator over there. How come those people weren't at granted, uh, you know, citizenship here in the United States? Like, yep. you, you see I all agree. the... If you look at a fucking list of the corruption in South America, it is Ooh. every... Even in Argentina, you've had, like, dictator, uh, like, fascist. Venezuela, Colombia, Argentina, yeah. Brazil. People... I mean, look at the 90s. Look at any... Look at cocaine cowboys, like, Colombia in the 90s. Yeah. That's the biggest reason why my dad immigrated. Well, listen yeah. to this. So my, my uncle was uh, was in the army. He married my mom's sister. And obviously my mom's from Spain. So she's 100% Spaniard. Um, he was hired basically by the army. Like his job was to be like an ambassador, essentially. So he was a U.S. soldier that lived in Argentina. And he also lived in Venezuela. And he used to tell me stories. He's like, you have to keep cash underneath your car seat. Because when yeah. you get pulled over, these cops... People want to complain about police brutality here. These people can, shoot, even, they can kill you. They, didn't even they can do whatever cops. they want. It was the army walking around. Yeah, they like, can do whatever they want to you. And if you, unless you don't have cash, you could go to jail. You could die. I mean, that that is crazy. that is corruption. And, yeah. and and Nick, just look at it like. And don't get me wrong. When I got out of school, when I was in at middle school, Mark and. I turn on the TV and they, it's like, you know, in California, they have the helicopter on a, on a bank heist. In Miami, do you turn on the news? You see these five little Cubans on a raft trying to get through like these boats and you just, everyone's just Yo, cheering them on. Cubans? And yeah, sometimes they make it. It's great. Cuban engineer. Oh, dude, they'll turn they, a like truck the rafts into they would a boat. Make. That's yes, crazy. Yes. And, you, and, they, and they would have a hundred people on it. Swear to God. And it was crazy. And you just, you, would, you couldn't help but like cheer them on. But now as I'm older, and I've, I've studied, like, what's going on in other countries, like the crazy Central American civil wars. Like, why why weren't they granted the same type of rules, yeah. you know? And t- times have changed. I get that. But I don't know. It just seems kind of a uh, So is, is that – you, my, you my, said uh, that's and, still that, – that Yeah, Wefford Drefford is a real last still... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And now I think relationships <laughs> have gotten better. Like, um, I know a lot of friends who have traveled back to Cuba to visit family. And they're descendants of immigrants that have left. Because yeah. once you leave, you can't come back. Because wow. most of the time, you're considered an enemy of the state. It's really old-fashioned, like Cold War shit over there. I mean, oh, wow. but like things are getting better. Like there's not there's not much of that. Like I've seen a lot of like Gordon Ramsay. I've seen a lot of like celebrities go over there for shows. Yeah, yeah. It's not like people like oh, school America. It's not like that at all. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the picture from Miami? The picture from the Miami Marlins, uh, Jose Fernandez. Yeah, I mean that. And, that and guy came way, on a rap. No, not really? even that. Came on a rap. Yeah, the Cuban. That, so... The Cuban baseball team, the national team, travels a lot, and as you can imagine, yeah. they've got fucking athletes, right? And every once yeah. in a while, you hear a crazy story that they're at a hotel and one of the players just runs for it, 
and uh, oh obviously God. like his family gets in trouble back home but he, he realizes like hey i'm in puerto rico i'm out and yeah it, and they send, they like send money back to their families yeah yeah but um it's just an outdated rule man and i'm on the same thing like joe rogan's talked about it before it's silly as fuck that we need a piece of paper to walk around this world and show where we're from and why we should be allowed to live here you know but yeah. i get it but like i mean that now that being said like I think it's case by case and there should be immigration rules because my dad, my dad's pretty conservative, believe it or not, about everything. So um, it's not, it's not just like a black and white thing for uh, Hispanics. Like we, we, there's a lot of discretion with how we see things. And I think um, the democratic party is going to get fucked in the butt later when they keep taking for granted that Hispanics are going to vote for the left every time, because that's not the case. Um, yeah, Hispanics, think, Hispanics uh, will change their mind. <laughs> yeah, bro, especially Hispanic women. Don't you fucking oh, piss dude. her off, dog. You won't know what's you don't know which way she's gonna vote. <laughs> you don't know shit. She'll just she'll vote against you just to piss you off. Yeah. Some crazy shit. But uh I, that's something that uh and like I think this past election we saw the whole like Black Lives Matter thing come up all of a sudden because I think maybe either either side was just trying to make a grab for it because we'll truly see if this administration wants to uh, make an do promise all those things, you know, mm-hmm. because you're right. We have a, and Mark, you can relate to this documentary you're watching this whole incarceration rate thing. The 13th is there time about that one. It's it's yeah. It's That's sickening how this private industry is so, really um, taking over. We can, talk, Go ahead, you can, take we can talk, we can talk about that. So, so when it came to like the whole police brutality thing, anytime that there's a question of whether there's police brutality or not, that has to be looked at as a singular case. As a singular, like, just like, you can't, you can't make these generalizations, all cops are bad, we need police reform. Because I guarantee you that if I were to break down the numbers, and let's say, throw out a number, let's say there's like 100,000 different types of cases around the country. If there's four or five violent ones out of those 100,000, guys, not that I don't have a heart, but those are pretty good fucking numbers. Yeah. Like, the only you know, thing I have a brother that, that's a, the, I have a brother. I was gonna say, don't you have don't you have a uh, family that's that are police officers? I have a brother that's a cop, and then the rest of my like I have a bunch of military in my family. Yeah, yeah. But my brother's a good ass cop too. Like, yeah, good. Dude. I, trust me, I've run into I've run into personally some asshole cops, and I'm a, you know, like I, I get it. So there's good cops, there's bad cops, but again, the the whole police brutality thing was blown out of proportion because there was immediately immediate. There was media constantly on it, magnifying it. So that's mm-hmm. the only thing you're seeing. That's the only thing you're talking about. That's the only. That's the only topic. So like the only the only, the only kind of the only I, I don't even call it an argument, but the thing that I would say huh. is, isn't that we were obviously we were all too young, but isn't that pretty much the same thing that happened with vice versa with black communities and even Hispanic communities where. It was high crime rate, black on black crime. And that that shit was real. Up. That was it. That was real. Because cops were way more. Yeah, but like, not as as bad as what people are making it out to be. Not as bad as the media is making. No, it no, out no. To no. Be. What, what it is that there's you see more uh, black on black, brown on brown. That's another thing. Yeah, people want to talk white about crime. Then you do see this interracial war that the media is trying to make it out to be. Yeah, if you break and, down uh, the numbers. Yeah, and and you know what, Nick, I was telling Mark this the other day because I heard in class that um, 
uh, black officers, black judges, Hispanic judges, mm-hmm. Hispanic police officers, they're tougher on their own race statistically I would than believe that. a white I would believe that. cop or white judge. And it's true. Like I tell Mark all the time, whenever like, if there's like a mass shooting or some type of really inappropriate like sex ring that gets, you know, you, you almost like, oh, thank God it's not a Spanish guy, you know, because yeah. it, it, it makes us look bad, you know. So well, I, mean, that, that's, I guess that's my point. That's my point. So like what Mark is saying is when one cop does something, th- there's like this complaint that it makes every cop look bad because it has been. But like you just said, that's also kind of been what Gener- happened with general generalizations, generalizations are so dangerous. So fucking exactly. dangerous. That's yeah, like, like, like there's millions, like, they're not millions, but there's hundreds of doctors every year that lose their licenses for malpractice. Uh, lawyers are, you know, they lose the bar comes down on them and takes their license away it, like it happens in almost every professional field because a police officer is a professional judges lose their powers sometimes like it happens and I, I i don't know whether it was a political move to just cause so much you know emotion built up because it, it it's crazy that i got students saying f the police and i'm like why and then i go over hundreds of ex- like examples on what are you going to do when the cops turn around Oh, well, just defend myself. Well, again, you can't you can't hold one person responsible for the entire police exactly. force. So like, I mean, I spend a lot of time in class. Like, what are you guys gonna do when you get pulled over? Oh, I'm gonna be a dick. Why? Be super but, polite to that officer because most of the time they're just doing their job. You might have just ran so, stop. Who cares? You know. Like, so, you so a lot of a lot of these cases that were publicized, and I can't remember all the names. I don't remember every single story, but. You know, it would come out, and then the more we found out, it was either, hey, the cops really fucked up, or, guys, this guy had a criminal record, he was he was drunk, or he was violent. Like, you have to wait until all the details come out before you jump to these conclusions that, yeah. oh, police brutality, system, you know, systemic oppression, you know, the system is rigged because they don't like black people and they're trying to oppress black people. That's bullshit. That's complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. That's Systemic racism, I watched that documentary, The 13th, the other day. My boy Dwayne Brown told me to watch it, and I did, and it was really Is interesting. Is Dwayne Brown a black person? Yes. Uh, I think that adds to their story. All right, continue. So, <laughs> no, and that's one of my, that's one of my best friends. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of want to watch that documentary again to kind of, like, pick apart that I think the things are true and things that, are like, I would question. A lot of that plays on emotion. Like, I don't know how much, like... If systemic oppression was like systemic oppression is the idea that the system is in place to keep black people oppressed, essentially, correct? Based off of skin color. Essentially, right? I don't know if that's exact. I'm sorry if I, I misconstrued that in any way. There are sorry. there are too many successful black people in the world for systemic oppression to be a real thing. There's also too many broke ass white people and too many white people in jail also for systemic oppression to be a real thing. Because if it was designed to keep one race down and one race up, you're Let telling me there's you that this, many though. people that, that make it through the cracks? But I was just going to say, so based on, on, on that documentary, I've watched it too, based on the numbers, why, like, I guess my question is, why don't you see, like, why are the numbers so misconstrued as to how, the what, percentages so what numbers- of Black Americans in prison? as far as percentages not numbers because obviously so, the white population outnumbers it but percentages is ext- much higher yeah, yeah, yeah. so that, that's like a that's like a a, a multi-answered question so yeah. yeah then there's different tiers because, so, uh, so so I do mean, i think that black people at one point were targeted absolutely right when yeah. it came to drugs they were targeted but at the end of the day 
if you get caught with drugs, I mean, you're kind of doing something illegal. And a lot of black people, I, I can't make this, I don't want, again, I'm not racist, I'm not making these, but black people felt that they had to resort to crime to make money, right? Like, that's kind of like the excuse. So if you get caught with drugs, you're going to jail. Now, the question was, it's like, well, black people are being, you know, punished for, you know, they're getting, their sentences are worse. That's not really happening nowadays. I'm talking about nowadays. Like a lot of, like when I watched the 13th and it was talking about segregation and Jim Crow, that was, to me, that a lot of that was real. But nowadays, a lot of I'm it? sorry. All of it was real. What do you mean? Yeah, Mark, what wasn't real? I no, mean, I mean, it was, all, mean, it was all real. Sorry, it was all real. Like, the police I know what you mean, though, but, but like, the, like, the think about like this, right? But think about like this. Like, I'm, I'm just going to shoot out. I mean, there's hundreds of different examples, but, I, you know, one simple one is the policy of redlining, where specifically they were, policies were put into place to move African-Americans out of neighborhoods and move the white flight because what happens is, is is think about like even like in Miami or Latrobe. Was that to move black people or was that to gentrify the area and essentially just make it a better neighborhood? Regardless of whether you're white or black in that neighborhood. Was it was it strictly to move black people or just poverty? Well, but think about that though. Who who ultimately based on the history of that where black people coming back from World War II weren't getting weren't getting the same the equal amount of what's the What's the bill, the check, the uh, whatever. The GI bill? The GI bill. African-American okay. men were not getting equally amount. So you're talking within 15 years of one another. So now you're gentrifying by, like you said, you're right. You're trying to rid that out. But a higher but let me ask you a question. white Red Americans lining, right? are buying these these nicer houses and now you're moving. But so is it is it a question of, of racism or just economic inequality? Is, I mean, is it I just think... economics? Because if. Because if a black guy's got money and wants to go buy a, a super nice house, he can do that. Yeah, now. I now. But, but I, I, I guess, I'm talking about nowadays. Yeah. Because this the systemic racism and the white privilege, that's been blown out of proportion again by propaganda. I'm talking about nowadays. I will not deny that that like this country failed miserably when it when it came to enslaving people. We failed miserably we freedom, right? Like after the Civil sure. War. We failed miserably. By the way, if there's ever reparations, my family doesn't have to pay shit because I'm like two generations into this country. Yeah, like yeah. N- none of my family were here when slavery and slavery and Jim Crow was around. So all those things happened, and yes, I do. do to to this day, statistically speaking, do I think that black people are at a disadvantage compared to white people? Yes, and that is a trickle effect of slavery. Jim Crow and segregation. Yes, they're statistically speaking, they were at an economic disadvantage. Mm-hmm, but sure. to say that, to say that the system today is built to oppress black people, that is fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. I, I guess because in the- g- give me give me a break. How many how many kids are how many black kids are like? What about affirmative action? There's there are black people out there going to colleges strictly be, to fill a quota because they need black people in their school. Like true. Is that equality? Yeah, true. So, true. like, nowadays, I, I guess my the question. No, no, no. Sorry. Like you're saying, I, I guess my question, and I actually ask this question with people I work with. Like, 
when we're talking, you know, racist policies and, and, and that term gets, gets thrown out a lot. And I guess my question is, can I see one? Can I see one in action? What does that look like? What does that sound like? I mean, I've been reading this book about being anti-racist and, and, and the question that I keep asking myself is, well, what specifically today, like you said, what can we point to that is racist? And, and I see a lot of, specifically in school, being a teacher, African-American and Hispanic children, specifically boys, are at like a three or four times higher rate of getting expelled, suspended, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess my question is, why is that? Why, why is that number A, mm -hmm. and then B, think about broken the families. Yeah, exactly. So, well, so let's think about the education system, right? So, to me, I think in in many ways, I think the education system is. I don't want to say oppressing is a strong word, but I I feel like specifically communities like one of the reasons why I didn't like Trump was because of his secretary of education because she wanted to take charter schools and she was pretty much anti-public school and, and and my thing behind that is like when you talk about charter schools a lot of them are better than public schools but what that does is that takes funding out of public schools and puts that into charter schools now what I mean by yeah I don't agree with that at all what I, what I mean by like oppression is when you think about like inner cities and even like, I bet you could, you guys can point to this in Miami. Think about the public schools, probably in Miami. Like Mark, you went to a, a private school. I, I went to public school my whole life up until high school. So which was better though? Think about it. Like be honestly. Yeah. Private school was a breeze. Yeah. I wasn't getting bullied. I wasn't, I wasn't fighting as much. Like it was a breeze. Are you got bullied? I got bullied so often, dude. Talk about that. But so the way they did it in Miami, though. So we I went to <laughs> the, mid the middle school that I went to in Miami, Southwood Middle School, was an A-plus middle school. Now, the right. way they – I think they did things different in Miami when it came to, like – you know how they map out, like, school territories? And, like, if you live in this neighborhood, you're going to this school. In Miami, my school, yeah. I had – there was kids from different types of neighborhoods. So you got a good mixture. You had the really rich Jewish kids going to my school. You had the middle class kids like me. You had kids from from Richmond Heights, which which was kind of like a poor area. So like, if if you do it that way, and they had the buses drive to farther neighborhoods to bring these kids to school. So if you do it yeah. that way, where you where you bring a, a mixture of kids, and honestly, middle school did a lot for me because I saw a lot of different a lot of different things, a lot of different cultures. You know, yeah. uh, people raised honest, differently. That's, uh... I'll put that under one of the, the advantages of Miami. Like growing up, it's a melting pot of I cultures. Had no, I had no idea what like racist was. Like I had no idea what what. Oh, you're black. Like, like it wasn't like that at all. Like that's why a lot of Hispanic friends, like a lot of our friends, use the N word with black people, and there's no issues because we were just all in a giant melting pot and. It wasn't until I got up here and obviously like watching the news and learning about stuff that I'm like, oh, like the rest of the country isn't that way. So that was one of the cool things. It was kind of like a someone has to write a book or do some research about just down there because um, it, it was never I never remember having as many. I never discussions. saw racism. Yeah, we never had a discussion now growing up at all about like, oh, he's different than you are. Like, I, I think a part of that, that though, at all. For sure, my family was a huge influence. But I remember in elementary school learning about how we 
absolutely destroyed the Indian race. How mm, you know true. we enslaved yeah, black but that like, was I so... learned all of that. They didn't sugarcoat anything in my yeah, but in my like, public they, school. They low key played it like they didn't really. I didn't understand. Fifteen million Indians were slaughtered by us, like until much later. I didn't really realize what the Civil War was about till much later. It was just like, oh, it's just a disagreement about our state rights. Oh, that's it. Well, that, okay. it's interesting because grown, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania, so specifically Greensburg, Salem, you had, and I wouldn't, you call it like, you had the rich, you know, suburban kids. I was middle class, and then you had, you know, kind of the, the mix of Greensburg kids. But then you had they brought in kids from Delmont and Slickville. Dog, and... let me let me let me just say <laughs> Oh my so, god. Nick, let me just say one thing. I tell people all the time, if you live in Pittsburgh, you're in Pittsburgh. If you're living out east, you're an affiliate guy. But in the middle of Pennsylvania, somehow they managed to find Alabama. I have never <laughs> seen so many Confederate flags, Dude. backpacks, wallets. Two of my students had tattoos. And I'm like, what's that for? Oh, I got Southern Pride. I'm like, where's your family from? Uh, Apollo. I'm like, what? Apollo, like, yeah. like, none of them have ever, none of these kids have traveled 10 Like, you know, black people were flying here, right? Yeah. Just yeah. like, none of these kids have ever left Indiana County or, you know, no. Dude, Armstrong it's, it's County. Awful. And and, it's and, it, and it's like, they've got this weird, but they're like, oh, I'm not racist. I like, I like their music. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what non-racist people say. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just awful sometimes. And, uh, well, you know, to be honest, these kids didn't wake up and just. Well, I was just going to say, to be it honest, comes from, we were talking about, you know, social media and things like that. And one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of do a little platform like this and Joe Rogan does it, too. But like the kids, you know, I see the kids, they need to hear stories of like, oh, Miami. And from you guys who had that experience where it's like, oh, you know, shit wasn't really different down there where up in Western PA, you had a lot of black. Kids. I mean, I, I've never seen. I didn't meet a Hispanic person until St. Vincent, to be honest with you. And so I mean, we had a lot of black and white kids, but then you had these hillbilly white kids from that would put Confederate flags on their truck and come to school. I mean, in, when I was in eighth grade, we had the biggest race war I've ever been a part of. And it was just black and white kids. And I was in the middle. War? Dude, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Jose, what type of shit have, is going on in Western Pennsylvania? Dude, I'm not even, I mean, I, when I say war, it, we just fought at like the mall like and shit like that. Oh, yeah, shit. but, oh, dude, it was awful. And and I was always in the middle because I was kind of friends with the hillbilly kids, but I was also friends with all the black kids because we played football, we played basketball. It was, when I tell you the craziest thing I've ever seen, I, I can't even put it into words because like, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why I became a teacher because I was like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah that's failing. That's failing. It was it was awful. But can I make one more? I mean, let me make one comment about the systemic racism thing, right? Because I yeah. don't want to come off. I don't want to come off insensitive. Again, I, mean, I, I don't. I don't deny, deny that, statistically speaking, black people are at a disadvantage. Again, that's that's because white people enslaved them for four hundred years, where they had they had nothing. They didn't have freedom. They didn't have money, and then. Yeah, you gave them you gave them freedom, and then you know segregation and the Jim Crow, and even even to this day, black people aren't treated, you know, in some cases equally, right? So like, I'm not denying all of that. I'm not I'm not denying that we have so much further to go. We do as a country. We don't treat people with equality, whether you're straight, gay, 
I mean, Mark, and, and, and if you want to identify this, as a woman too, on. that's fine too. Yeah. But to I mean, say shit was going that's on a system, 60s, man. Yeah, but I'm talking about right now, right? To say that's like the all system, our grandparents were at live when they're like, man, water tastes better when it's coming from two different water fountains. Like this is back then. Like our grandparents were alive when like black people couldn't. Yeah, ride. I guess that's my right argument too. Is that, like it's not that far. I guess that's my only thing though. Is like it's and, not and, that far uh, removed. Yeah, but the, the like, narrative, the narrative is that it is right now, and it's not. It's not, and I mean, it's not. but I think I think part of the fallout of it is, like I said, look at our history books. Like they just kind of play it off, like oh, we just woke up one day, we're not racist anymore. Uh, look at the way the Civil War was covered, like. Well, we I mean, didn't really it's called moving forward, happened. Jose. I mean, but we didn't really, we didn't really talk about what happened. I think, and that's why, that's why I'm explaining to you why there's such anger. I did in my school. Side. I know that. I know, but I'm, I'm just letting you know that's why not everybody got top tier private school education. Mark, a lot of these inner city kids don't know that. So you gotta bear with me here. I think a lot of it wasn't addressed. Like to me, it wasn't addressed. Like I was, you know, getting older. I learned, I'm that, like, at I learned that at a public education. school. I yeah, learned that at a public school. But guess what? I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you right now, Nick's in the school as well. I'm telling you what these kids know, and they're yeah. not being taught shit properly, and it bothers me. That's why. But but I, know I learned a, a lot from my but, parents too. Okay, but I'm telling you, I got I got I got Billy Bob walking around with Confederate flag, and the kids from New York. Like I'm telling yeah, you that problem. people people's parents, and it's not no one's fault. It's just we as a society. This goes hundreds of years back. We didn't address it the best way. And I think it, it takes adults like ourselves to make sure we continue to educate people the right way. I mean, I'm not yep. kidding you. The last year, it's been like a civics class in my classes because, like, good. it's just disgusting that – and they're learning this from home. They're learning this from whatever far right, far left media they're watching. It's just yeah. like there's not a problem. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's important that we get our heads out of our ass and kind of agree to things because if we, yeah, we keep thinking I- that – I agree with all that. My thing again, the, the main point I have with systemic racism, it is it is no longer a thing right now. No, it's no longer a thing. But um, it's not a thing anymore. Neither is white thing. privilege. I, I learned this in uh, theory class in, in uh, criminal criminal law studies here. Uh, when like a cop does something stupid, they they did, like they've done research. It takes an entire of our parents that are at the age of like my dad was born. He was probably ten years old when he maybe saw racist shit going on in society like it, it's not that far ago that we did it um do i think it's going on right now no because i don't know a single cop detective lawyer who will watch the george floyd thing and say this was racist like that wasn't really racist it was just a bad cop you know but they all agree that there is racism and like i don't know a single person in law enforcement that is racist and would be okay with it so yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you mark I, I, I agree like that's not the general you know attitude with things but i think that where's this where's this bullshit coming from like think about that for a second yeah it's it's it, it trickled down from yeah racism, it's exactly what it did. Sure. it trickled down 